mentioned it last week. Kind of the big thing about New Year's Day is all the New Year's resolutions and things that everybody does. And really, I mean, what is it all about? And uh, when it comes to the new year, everybody wants to break all the old habits. They're hoping to have a better year than they had before. And usually they go back and they resolve to do the same things or to not do the same things that they did the year before and they failed on. It seems like you just can't win. I noticed... Um, at Walmart, they have this one aisle that always has all the seasonal stuff, all the Christmas stuff or Halloween, whatever it is. And right now in that section, it's all kinds of different workout videos and exercise things because everybody's resolving to get in better shape and that's kind of the, the New Year's thing. But at the same time, it's very difficult to change anything, it seems like. Uh, and we're going to talk about that today. Breaking a bad habit. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 3, it says, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me unto this day. 
So now Ezekiel, we're not going to talk, spend a whole lot of time talking about him, but Ezekiel was one of God's prophets, a great man of God. But if you study the life of Ezekiel and his ministry, it's not one that anybody would envy. Ezekiel had a pretty rough time. In fact, God told Ezekiel, He says, I'm going to send you to Israel and you're going to preach to these people and they're not going to listen to you. Boy, that would be tough. You know, when the Lord sent me to this area, you know, I went, I came believing that people are going to come, they're going to get saved, and, you know, and thank God that's happened. But I can't imagine, that'd be tough if I come to an area and nobody comes. Nobody listens. That'd be hard. And that was kind of Ezekiel's life. So try to get you feel sorry for him a little bit. But God said, you're going to go to a people that are rebellious. These people, they've rebelled against me. Verse 4, it says, For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. So these people are stubborn. They are stubborn. They're impudent. They're hard-hearted. And He said, you're going to go to them. And in verse 5, And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. God said, At least I'm going to do my part. I'm going to send somebody to tell them. And God, He's always faithful. He always does His part. But then uh, it says in verse 6, And thou, Son of Man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with them. And though uh, thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. He's like, these people, they're going to, they're going to scowl at you. They're going to look like they want to kill you. And you know what? You're going to dwell in the midst of scorpions. These people are going to try. They're going to want to go after you. It says, uh, And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear, whether they forbear, for they are the most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. You notice how he keeps saying the word rebellious. I mean, that's just explained Israel at this time. And he tells Ezekiel, don't you be that way. Now I want you to go over to chapter 3. Let's turn a page over to chapter 3. And then in verse 5, he says, For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. He said, I'm not sending you to a foreign country, to a people that aren't going to understand you or that aren't like you. You're going to your own people, to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. He said, if I had sent you to a foreign country, there would have been revival there. Those people would have listened to you. It says, but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. He says... They're not even going to listen to you. Well, that would be hard. That, I mean, that would be hard. But God said that's the way these people are. They are they're impudent. They're stubborn. They're rebellious. They're hard-hearted. Seventeen times in the book of Ezekiel, God refers to the children of Israel as rebellious. God knew that they wouldn't listen to Ezekiel because it had become a habit. And it was one they were not about to change. Many times the Bible God said, My people are bent on backsliding. They're bent on backsliding. It'd be like uh, if you shoot a bent arrow, it's not going to fly right. Every time it's going to it's going to curve, it's going to veer off because it's bent towards doing that. It's the way it's shaped, it's the way it is. And that's how these people were. They were bent on backsliding. They were bent on rebellion. It was the way they were. 
Hosea 11.7, it says that my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt Him. And you know what? That's really the problem with many people today and even with ourselves if we're honest with a lot of our problems is we are just bent to certain things. We've created a bad habit in our life. Maybe we've created something through sin or whatever. And we've been bent the wrong way and we like to straighten it out. But let me tell you, it's never an easy process. I wish I could say it's easy. But it's not an easy thing. But an example of a bad habit, you've heard, maybe heard the term of a habitual liar. Somebody, a habitual liar means it's just a habit. They do it and they don't even know they're doing it. They just, they lie. They think you're, they're telling you the truth. I've known people like that. They'll tell you stories and, and you hear these stories that they're telling and you're almost insulted. It almost makes you mad because it's like, do they think I am stupid? Do they think I'm that dumb to believe something like that? And the truth is, I think some of these people, if you put them on a lie detector, they would pass. They are so used to lying, they don't know that they're even doing it. It's just a habit. And it's a hard, it can be a hard one to break. So I don't want to get involved in that. Somebody who's habitually late. I've, I've, I've known some people like that. I like to make fun of them. Always late. My dad, when growing up, he was the complete opposite. He was always early for everything. He was always really early for everything. And he kind of passed that on to me. It drives my wife nuts sometimes. We'll be going somewhere and we're just way too early. But me, I was, I was playing for everything. You know, well, what if there's bad traffic? You know, what if we get all red lights? You know, I just, I don't like being late. It drives me crazy. And, but, uh, and people who are habitually late, it's always kind of drove me nuts. I worked with one guy. I remember when I was at Walmart, he was late all the time. And at Walmart, their attendance policy was pretty it was pretty lenient. And he got to where he was about to be fired. I'll, I'll never forget it. He he got right on that edge. And if you got to what they called a step three, for six months, you couldn't do anything wrong. Otherwise, you were gone. And I remember he got to that point, and it was a long six months for him because he had never... And, and we all thought he was done. We liked working with this guy. I liked him and everything. I thought, he's done. There's no way he can go six months and not be late. But he did it. He did it. And he, he kept his job and they went right back to being late. Just not as much as before. But it was a habit. Somebody who's habitually lazy. I mean, just they don't, without even trying. I've, I've known people that were lazy, but you know they were so lazy they had to work at it. They would try to find ways to get out of work, and it actually sometimes took more effort. I taught in a school for six years, and there were kids. The efforts they would go to to not work it was like if you would put that much effort into actually doing the work, you'd be a straight A student. But just habitually lazy. So, and, and there's all kinds of things we could talk about, and I'm sure we've all got our things. But how do we get rid of a bad habit? Well, one, you got to find out what the sin is in your life and you have to call it what it is. The reason most resolutions fail is because people will not be honest with themselves and they won't name their problem correctly. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, you don't have to turn over there, but it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. We, you know, we are living in a nation today that we don't want to call anything what it is. You know, we don't want to call terrorists terrorists because that sounds too mean. We don't want to call. Uh, you know, we don't want. You can't call 
thieves, thieves, you know, or, or drunkards, drunks. Uh, you know, we come up with all these different names for things to try to make it sound better. But the problem is, when we make, when we don't do that, all of a sudden, we uh, we kind of handicap ourselves from being able to actually fix the problem. We need to, you need to ask yourself an honest question if you want to fix this: Is what am I? What am I? You find out what you are by what you do. For example, if you have a problem with sinning, it's because you're a sinner. The word that that word or that suffix er it means one who does. So if you do something, then you are that with an er at the end. If you sin, you are a sinner. If you lie, you are a liar. If you quit on a regular basis, you are a quitter. If you cheat, you're a cheater. Now nobody wants to be called those things. But at the same time, if that's what you if, if that's what we are, we've got we, we ought to fix it. And if we are not willing to recognize it, then we're not gonna be able to fix it. It would be like if you have some kind of disease. Well, we don't want to have to, we don't want to tell people they have cancer. Because I think we need to stop doing that in the world. We need to stop telling people they have cancer because that makes them feel bad. I don't know if you know this, but when people find out they have cancer, they're not usually happy about it. So let's not tell anybody they have cancer. Maybe let's call it something else. Let's call let's call them let's say that they are a victim of some strange growth in their body. And let's just tell them it's okay. It's okay to have that. It's okay. It's okay to have cancer. If you have cancer, you're you're still a human, you're just as good as anybody else. Let's celebrate it. Let's celebrate having cancer in this country today. Well, we don't do that. We shouldn't do that, should we? Somebody's got cancer. They need to get rid of it. They need to find out that they have it. Tanya, who sadly just died, part of the problem it was by the time she found out she had it, it had spread all over. It was too late. And that's the problem with many sins today. Because we never pinpoint it and because we never call it what it is, we never take what we need to get rid of it. We never do the things necessary to help it, and it ends up destroying our life. But we don't. We sugarcoat everything. We make it sound good. Instead of calling somebody a drunk, we call them an alcoholic. Or instead of, uh, I mean, whatever, we make we make everything sound good. But the truth is, we got it. We got it. And I, I'm not going to call anybody anything in here. I'm not going to even call myself anything. But you need to do that to yourself. You say, you know what? I've got a problem in this area, and you need to call yourself whatever you are. And that way you can work on it. Learn to call your problem what it is, then you can deal with it. So then secondly, if you want to get rid of a bad habit, so one, you have to find out what the sin is in your life and call it what it is. And then, be careful about using other people as your source of inspiration. Now listen, I know people can be inspiring. I've got people that encourage me. I've got people that motivate me and that make me want to do better. But at the same time, you've got to be careful... Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number. Have you ever heard people say, you know, they're always given these percentages. Well, oh, you're in this percentage of people if they get this die. Please don't tell me that. You know, people and uh, you know, they're always people are always wanting to put themselves in a group or put themselves in a number. Well, yeah, I have I have this problem, but you know, nine out of ten Americans do. Listen. We need to start learning to look at ourselves as individuals 
in this country. We're always putting everybody in groups. Look at yourselves as an individual. It says, dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not a wise thing to do because you know what? When it comes to sin in your life and doing uh, or keeping sin out of your life and doing right, people are going to let you down. I mean, if you're if everything you do if it's just following after a person, they're going to let you down at some time. They're going to mess up too. The best person you know is not perfect, and we got to be careful about that because for every good example you find in your life, you can find ten bad ones. It's true. You can find you can find ten bad ones. It's like oh, you know, teenagers today. I mean, you hear you hear the numbers all the time about how many teenagers, you know, experiment with drugs before they graduate high school. It's this massive percentage, and it's like teenagers think, well, I haven't got a chance. I might as well be of the number. Listen, don't do that. Don't worry about that. Listen, find there there are some people that haven't done it. There are some people that go their entire life and they don't do those things. But you know, at the same time, you've got to be careful because for every one good example, there's ten bad examples. And those who are good examples, they're not perfect. And if we're not careful, we'll let their flaws be our excuse when things get difficult. I hear that all the time. Somebody says, you shouldn't do this. Oh, well, so-and-so does it. Have your kids ever done that to you? Mom, Dad, everybody else does it. Mom and Dad, this person, maybe somebody in your family, somebody you like, somebody that you respect, they do it. Listen, it doesn't matter. We don't base what we do on what other people do. We should base what we do on the Word of God. Our goal in every area should be to be like Christ. If people try to live up, if people try to live up to my level many times and in many areas, they're going to be taking a step down. You don't pick a person. You don't pick the pastor. You don't pick the pope. You don't pick this person. You know, you don't do that. You don't pick the president or whatever. You pick Jesus Christ. He's the one that we're supposed to be following. And Jesus, he was known for calling things exactly what they were. So you need to be careful about using other people as your source of inspiration. And then third, is just out with the old and in with the new. In other words, out with the bad and end with the good. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. One of the things that we kill ourselves with in this country is many people just try to get rid of the bad and they never replace it with anything. One of the, and For example, a lot of times people, they, they got this emptiness in their life and they... They're they're always trying to find something to fill it. They never pick Jesus Christ. You know, it's, uh, there are a lot of people. They try giving up things, and they just you got it's like bad music. It's it's sick the music that people listen to these days. Just some of the vile, uh, just perverted junk that's out there. And I've known a lot of people. They come into church and they get saved. It's like I need to quit listening to this music, and they get rid of it. And you know what happens? It's not long before they replace it again, or they get. They go back right to it. You know why? Because they didn't replace it with anything. If you want to stop listening to bad music, you need to start listening to good music. If you're going to, if you're going to stop reading the bad books or watching the bad television programs, you need to replace them with something good. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, if you're really saved, the Bible says he's a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you get saved, Jesus Christ comes in your life and He helps you get rid of those bad things. You've been, you've replaced, you've replaced that sin with Christ. D.L. Moody, a very famous preacher, he said to get air out of a glass, you have to fill it with water. He's also said God is stronger than the devil. Light is stronger than darkness. Darkness comes only when light is absent, and light shows up. The uh, or when light shows up, the darkness has to leave. Good will always overcome evil if I set good in motion, and that's so true. If you want to get evil out of your life, you have to replace it with good. If you want to get bad activities out of your life, you have to replace them with good activities. It's it's necessary. If you're wasting your time with bad things, you've got to replace it with good things. We just try to get rid of stuff and never replace it. I tell you, I think one of the best things people could do is at New Year's are trying to straighten their life out, trying to do things better. I think one of the best things people should do is start getting church as a part of their life. Get in the house of God. Start reading your Bible. Start praying. Start doing those things. Replace some of these bad habits with good habits. And you know what? The good things can become a habit. You know, some of you, it's a habit to go to church on Sunday. For other people, it's hard. I mean, there's there's all kinds of people I've been talking to since I've been in the area that have been intending to come and visit. And every time you talk to them, yeah, we're we're planning on coming, we're going to come. But you know what? They've gotten out of it for so long. It's a habit now, and it's going to be hard. It's going to take time, and it, it and it does. But you know what? You keep doing it. You keep doing right. It's a habit. You'll get to where you'll get used to. It. You'll get to where you can do it all the time. It's like when you get a new job. Maybe they put you. You got a new schedule, and man, it takes a while before you get used to. it, Especially if it's a job, maybe you have to get up early in the morning, or maybe a third shift job. It takes a long time before you get used to that. But you can get you can get to where you're used to it. You can get to where you can handle it. I remember some of the jobs I've had. I mean, I I had such a routine. I think sometimes I felt like I was doing it in my sleep. I remember one time I worked a job. I had to be there at seven o'clock every day, and I had to drive about forty-five minutes or thirty-five, forty minutes to where I worked. And I remember one morning I woke up, and it was seven o five, and I was, I was so flustered. I said, "I hate being late." I remember I took off running. I went and I, I grabbed the phone and I tried calling them and telling them I was going to be late. They didn't answer the phone, and so I went and I hurried up and I started getting ready. And I thought I'm going to take a super quick shower. I'm already late. I remember I went. I got all my clothes together. I, and you know, this whole thing takes about a good five, six, seven minutes. I go and I get in the shower. I turn the water on. The water hits me. As soon as the water hits me, I realized it's Sunday. I, I, I wasn't late for work, but I had I had such a routine that I didn't I didn't even know what I was doing. Uh, it was it was it was a weird feeling. It was you might have experienced something like that. I remember one time I woke up and it was six thirty. This is when I was working at Walmart. And I was, I was, it was 6.30. I was supposed to be at work at 6. And I remember I started panicking and I'm getting up and I'm like, I'm late. And Cassandra's up. She's like, what's the matter? And all of a sudden I realized it was 6.30 in the evening. I had fallen asleep on the couch and it was, it was, it was weird. But boy, what a good feeling to know that I still had the whole night to sleep because I was still tired. But you know what things do? They can, they can become a habit after a while, but you got to replace them with something good. Some people have a habit of sleeping in to all hours and not doing anything. They're going to break it. It's going to be tough. You have to replace it with something good. And fourthly, do not focus on the evil that you want to overcome, but focus on the good replacement. Philippians three verse uh, Philippians three verse thirteen. I'm going to turn over there real quick. You can turn there if you like. Philippians three thirteen. Got a couple of verses. 
I want to read to you. You need to focus focus on the good. It is. When you try to add something new to your life, it is hard. It does take some work. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Many people are stopped from doing the things that they want to do in their life because they've got so much stuff in the past that they let hold them back. They're so folk, they talk about their mistakes. They talk about all that they've done in the past. And let me tell you, you need to forget about it. God forgets it. The Bible says He'll forget your sins. He'll remember them no more. He separates them as far as the east is from the west. And you know what? You may have done some things in the past and you may have failed in the past. That's one of the biggest things. People, they if you try motivating them to do something, all they can do is talk about all their past failures. And they say, it's doomed from the start. I've failed too many times. You know what? Forget about it. Forget about those things. Forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are ahead. Focus on that. Whenever I talk to somebody and I'm trying to motivate them to do something and they're talking about everything in the past, I know it's not going to be good not until they forget about that. I don't want to hear about your failures. I want to hear about what you want to do. I want to hear about your goals. I want to hear about what you'd like to accomplish. And then let God do a work. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. So you know, we need to look at Jesus as the example. The Bible says for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Did you know that while Jesus was on that cross, He wasn't enjoying it? He did not enjoy getting beaten with the cat of nine tails. He didn't enjoy getting nailed to a cross. He didn't enjoy having a crown put on His head of thorns. He didn't enjoy being spit on and being mocked. He didn't enjoy those things. He suffered greatly, but the Bible says He was able to do that for the joy that was set before Him. Jesus, when He was on that cross, I believe, and it says it in the Bible, He was so focused on what this was going to accomplish. You know what the joy was that was set before Him? It was people like you and I. He was looking ahead and He was thinking about people like Pat Campbell who He knew that someday He was going to need to save that man. He knew that he was gonna. He knew that he was gonna go to hell. He's like, you know what? If he's gonna ever have a chance of making it to heaven, I've got to do this. And the thought of seeing him walk through those pearly gates someday and being in heaven, Jesus said, "I can do this. I can do this." You know why? He was focused on that joy that was set before him. And it says here, he said, for us to do the same thing, looking unto Jesus. If we stay focused on Him, we can do these things. It says we're compassed about. This verse, that first verse there it says we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I believe that's talking about uh, in, in heaven. You know, there's people up in heaven. They can look. I believe they can see some of the things that are going on in our lives. The Bible says it's like we're in a race. You know, if you've ever went jogging before. And you go jogging somewhere by yourself, and you're out there, and maybe you start hurting, you start getting that pain in your side, or you start breathing heavy. And you know what? It's real easy when you're all by yourself to just say, you know what? I'm done running. I'm going to walk. 
It's real easy. There's been many times. Let me tell you, if I exercised or if I ran as many times as I thought about it, I would be in really, really good shape right now. I've thought about it several times, but there's been many times I thought, ah, I don't feel like it. But you know what? When you're actually in a race, maybe where people are watching you and people are cheering for you, you know what? It gives you a little more motivation, doesn't it? If you're out running all by yourself and you start hurting, well, nobody's watching. I can just go ahead and quit. But boy, when people are watching, it motivates you to keep going. It motivates you to keep trying. And you know what? People are watching us. Now, and I don't even believe just in heaven. I believe people on earth are watching you. I believe that right now some of you probably have family that are watching you. They don't want to say, I wonder if this religious thing is just a phase with them or I wonder if it's real. Maybe, maybe you've got coworkers. Maybe you've got neighbors. They see you going to church on Sundays and they're watching. They're, just, they're watching you right now. You know what? We need to stay focused. Because there's people that are watching us and, they want to, and there's some that want us to do good. We've got to make sure we stay focused. Replace... So we replace things. Replace the bad music with good music. Replace bad movies with reading your Bible or other Christian books. Get busy for Christ. You got to you got to do something. Do things for other people. You know, there's there's a lot of good organizations and things out there that do good things for people. I'm all for getting involved with stuff like that. But boy, especially I believe I believe the church is one of the best things. Get involved in things like that. We're praying about starting a King's Kids Club. You know what things. Uh, just getting involved and and helping kids and being a blessing. You know what it does? It helps you get the fo- it helps you stop focusing on your problems and it gets you focusing on other people and it gives you something uh, to work towards. Doing things for others, getting busy for Christ. Don't just don't just think about yourself. Think about other people and you start doing that. Replacing things, it's going to help you so much. And then number five, this is this is huge. And this is where sometimes we get accused of going a little nuts, and that's okay, I don't mind. But you know, you need to remove the opportunity to sin. Remove the opportunity to sin. Romans 13, verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Our flesh, it's always going to want to sin. Our flesh, in certain situations, is always. I mean, we're we're going to get ourselves in trouble. And the Bible says that we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we make an effort, we try on purpose to be like Christ, and we and making no provision. In other words, we don't allow things, we don't provide for things that are going to cause us to fulfill the lust of the sinful flesh. For uh, and so, in other words, there are some things that we need to just we need to get rid of. Maybe because it causes sin. If you've got a problem with maybe, maybe it's watching too much TV. You know what? You might want to go put the TV away. You might want to call the cable company and say, "Hey, I'm done. Get get rid of it." I know that might seem extreme, but you know what? It'll help. I talked to a guy one time. He was having problems with listening to the wrong kind of music. And you know what? It's easy. I mean, you just turn on the radio. There's all kinds of filth you can listen to on the radio. You know, I told him, said, if you're having problems listening to the wrong kind of music, take the radio out of your vehicle. Do it. So take it out. Let those wires be hanging out. It'll be a reminder to you of the problem that you have. And you know what? If it's not in there, you and that was when he listened most of the time. It was on the radio. In his car, I said, take it out. Get rid of it. Get rid of that provision for the flesh. His flesh wanted to listen to the wrong kind of music so you can get rid of the opportunity. Let me tell you, my flesh, 
You know, desires. You know, I I have to be very careful how much I eat. You know, if I want to, if I'm on a diet, I don't want need to be going to a Ryan Steakhouse. I don't need to be going to a Chinese buffet. That's not going to work because the flesh is too strong there. If I want to be careful about not spending too much money, there are certain stores I need to stay away from because I'm tempted in those places. I go into Best Buy. I like looking at all those cool toys they have there. I'm thankful we don't have one here in town. I'd probably spend too much money at it. You know what? We don't make provision. We stay away on purpose. If you have a problem with with drinking or alcohol, don't go to the bar. Don't go there. Just stay away from it. You got a problem with smoking or drugs or whatever? Stay away from it. If you know what's going to be going on there, you know people are going to be doing it. Stay away from it. You know what you need? We need to do sometimes have a house cleaning. Just go in our house, all right, and just start throwing stuff away. Start throwing it away. Getting rid of things. I know that's extreme, but you know what? It works. Get rid of the temptations. You just got you got to keep it away. Be careful where you go. If there's a plate, just maybe you might need to take a different way home from work. Maybe that bar you're always you're always wanting to go to that you're tempted to. Drive a different way. Don't go by it. Don't go near the places where the temptation's strong. Stay away from it. Be accountable to people. You know what? If you got a problem with it in an area, said so you need to name it. You need and you need to tell somebody. Tell your husband, tell your wife, tell your pastor, tell a friend or a parent. There's all kinds of people. Tell them, say, I have a problem in this area. I'm not wanting to do this anymore. And then and talk to them about it. Talk to them. It helps so much. No, I've known people when they're, uh, when they're try- we, we had a guy at Lighthouse lost, uh, he was, he weighed over 500 pounds. Over 500 pounds. He ended up having the gastric bypass done and started dropping weight like crazy. And you know what? All the time I'd ask him, where are you at now? And he'd tell me about how much weight he's lost. And it's all the time. And he, and he loved telling people about it. And he, had, he got down below 200 pounds. And still there. It's, you, can't, you wouldn't even recognize the guy. If you'd known him before, and you know it, it helped. He knew all the time. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to tell people how much weight I lost, and it was encouraging. Being account, being accountable to people, it helps so much. Or if maybe you have a problem with certain sin, so you know I want to quit doing this. Tell somebody. Say, listen, I'm going to see from here on out. Every week, come to church. Hey, it's been a whole week now. Hey, it's been two weeks. In three weeks, I remember a friend of mine when we were in Sunday school. He used to get detentions pretty regular uh, in his school. And I remember a Sunday school teacher told him, he said, you need to see if you can go a whole week without getting a detention. And I remember finally he made it a whole week and didn't get a detention. He was all excited. And I remember then he got to two weeks. And then he got to three weeks. And he got, I think, up to four weeks without a detention. And then he got another detention and then he gave up after that. But boy, he tried. He worked so hard those four weeks. Because you know why? He was accountable to people. He was talking to people about it and it helped him. You, and you, you've got to do that. Be accountable. And you know what? It might listen. Think. Well, I don't want people to know what kind of problems I have. Then they're going to know I'm a human being. Everybody's got problems. You need, you need to work on them. And you know what? That other person too. They might be having a problem. And maybe you guys can motivate each other. Have a contest. See who can go the longest without getting in trouble. So get rid of things. Get it away. If you got a problem with what you're looking at on the computer, get rid of it. Life, I mean, get rid of a computer? It's like asking somebody to get rid of their right arm these days. 
But you know, if you have if it's if it's hurting you, if it's stopping you, if it's too much of a temptation, get rid of it. So then, finally, lastly, our goal should be to get to the point in our life where obedience to God it's a habit. Just as sin can become a habit, so can obedience. You can get to where you finally have victory in these areas. You might think I can never conquer this. I can never conquer it. I just I keep messing up. I keep messing up. And you'd be surprised. We call this we, we call this Liberty Baptist Church because I believe Jesus Christ can give us liberty from the sins of this world. He can give you victory. You might be in bondage right now, but God can give you liberty. And that's what we're all about here. And that's why we you know we preach we you know Baptists were known for preaching against all kinds of things. You know what we're trying we recognize the fact that us group of people that all sin, we we're sinners. And there are things that we need to do to try to help that because just because we're all sinners doesn't mean it's okay. There's consequences that come with it. There's heartache, there's pain that comes with it. And much of it could be avoided. And Jesus Christ wants to give you victory in these areas. And the first thing the first thing you need to do if you're going to get victory in this area is have Jesus Christ in your life. Ask Him to come into your heart and be your Savior. He can save your soul and He can start giving you that, start giving you those victories in your life. Well, you get the Holy Spirit in your life and He guides you. Things that before it used to be a habit for you, you do it wrong and you didn't even feel bad about it. Now you got something inside you saying, you know what, no, don't do this. Don't do that. Maybe you've never even heard any teaching on it. You don't even know any verses. But there's just something inside you that says, don't do that. That's wrong. And He guides you and He deters you from those sins. And as you stop, as you start avoiding certain sins and as God starts giving you victory in your life, it just, it, it seems to get better and better. And it does get better and better. It's all through, and it's all through Jesus Christ. If you want to break that bad habit in your life, start by asking Jesus Christ into your heart. And if you, if you are saved, doesn't mean all your bad habits are gone. We still got them. But do these things we've talked about. Start, start calling it what it is. And that's for you. I'm not saying going around, call everybody else liar, drunkard, cheater, all those things. Okay? We don't want to go around name calling other people. But you know what? You can call yourself that. Just name it. So this is what I am. But you know what? Ask God to help you change that. Say, well, I don't want to be this anymore. I want to be, I want it to be better. I want to, I want to honor you with my life. So let's all stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.